Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Today, I want to start a two-part series that I'm calling The New Normal. The New Normal. You see, because when a drastic change occurs, it often demands that we find some sort of new normal to our day-to-day. Amen? Some of the ways that we were living before the change, they might carry over into the new circumstances, but a lot might not. So there's that navigation for a new normal. When I started back to school, my master's and uh, program uh, um, five years ago now, it was I hadn't been in school for seven years. And so I had to learn a new normal with getting homework again and doing finals week again. You know? <laughs> Under, after my undergrad, I was like, I am done with school. I am done forever. And then seven years later, I'm like, man, i got to study for finals again. Anyway, um, but I had to learn a new normal. When I got married, I had to learn a new normal because we have two lives merging together. You have different opinions. You have different values. You have different ways of doing things. But you learn a new normal together. New babies. We've, we've had a few of those in our community. Luke and Nicole Jackson, bless the Lord, for baby Caden. They was born this past week or so now. Um, but uh, So I saw Luke Jackson yesterday. You know, I'm asking him, how's baby life going? You know, he's like, yeah, it's going really good. The baby started cluster feeding. I'm like, what is cluster feeding, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Apparently, it's when the baby feeds in clusters um, of time. I don't know. I never heard the term. Some of you know that term. But uh, I was like, wow, not only a new normal, but a new vocabulary for, uh, for uh, people with babies. Um, in the world right now, we've experienced a current shift. We've experienced a new set of circumstances that for many of us has demanded a new normal. Some of us, it's affected the way we do our jobs. Some of us, over the past few weeks, it's affected our schools. How many teachers or students are in here? Had to learn how to do online school real quick. Families have had to adjust to a new normal. Your kids are home with you all day. And you're learning that new normal. Um, and, and some of us, it's actually, it's just shifted us completely into, into a new job or waiting for a new job. It's, it's, it's there has just been this new normal, even, even socializing, like, do I hug you? Do I high five, elbow? Like, what are you doing right now? I mean, just these things that we normally did and took for granted, we're not, we're hesitant to do now. It really hit me hardest last Sunday, a beautiful day, and my wife and I wanted to take pictures by some blue bonnets off of... Arapaho in 75. It was a great day um, for that. Um, and if you were here last week, we announced that we are pregnant. Um, so we wanted some pregnancy photos um, early on. And, uh, um, and so we're there, and you know, we're able to take pictures of each other, but it's like, ah, we didn't bring anybody to take a picture of us, you know? And so it's just like, you see other people there and you're like, do I ask somebody if they'll take a photo? So I've got my hand sanitizer. I sanitize my phone and I'm kind of <laughs> go up to them like, hey, I just totally sanitize this. Would you please mind taking a picture of us? And the dude was totally not comfortable with it. So I was like, ah, no condemnation. I totally get it. But it would just, it just hit me. I'm like, man, these things that we normally did that were a part of, I mean, anyone would have said yes to that six months ago. And now it's like you're embarrassed to even ask. 
we're having to navigate a new normal. And I have, um, and, and, and there's so much change in this current shift for us that some of us has just been like, I'm ready for it to get back to normal. Has anyone thought that or prayed that? Yeah, most of us. I've, well, I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. Some bad news is, this is me personally speaking from my heart here, is I don't think that everything is going to go back to the same normal it was before. I think the old normal is gone. For some of us, that's really bad news. Um, but see, what the Word says is that God's going to shake heaven and he's going to shake earth before the return of his Son. Okay, so when we get addicted to a certain type of normal and then a shaking comes, and we get shifted, and we're so addicted to that normal that we cannot adapt and find that new normal according to the will of the Lord. We are just freaking out the entire time. Okay, And I tell you that right now what we've experienced, it's, 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 it's changed a lot of things, but the good news is that God is teaching his people how to take, how to adapt to a new normal, to seek him, to say, God, what does normal look for, like for me right now in this season? And how do I adapt to it so that I can walk out in peace and in prosperity? Okay? So, but we've got to let go of our addiction to the old normal. And we've got to seek the Lord. This is demanding an evaluation of how we spend our time, our money, and our resources, and just how we do things that we normally did to say, God, what's the new normal right now? I'm pleading with you as a friend, as a pastor, to seek the Lord in these areas because this is an opportunity from God to walk in greater peace and prosperity than in the last normal season. Amen? Okay. So, God is wanting us to evaluate how we live our lives, how we build our lives. Because it's uh, the, how we... This evaluation is not just how we're going to weather this current storm. I tell you, friends, more is coming. More is coming. Jesus said that the nations are being shaken before he returns. And we've got to learn how to stand firm in the midst of the storm and not be addicted to the old way. So this is the question Jesus wants us to ask. Am I living my life? Am I building? Am I investing the resources God has given me in a way that can stand when the storm comes, when a shaking comes. You know, into this coming year, the two words that have been resonating in my spirit the most are these, divine order. Divine order. Divine order. Divine order. What's God saying for this year? Divine order. Get in order with God and seek him for what that looks like. God's bringing divine order to his house. He's ordering the way we build our lives, how we build our relationships, and the way that we build and invest in our future. And I'm not talking about just retirement. And that's important to think about. <laughs> but I'm talking about our future in the next age. Because how we invest our time, our relationships, our money, every area of our life in this age directly affects what we're going to carry over into the next age. And every single one of us, you and I, 
Everyone online in this room now will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be evaluated on how we invested with what God gave us on this this side of eternity. And so this new normal that God is bringing people into is this. Are you ready? Here's the new normal. God's ways, not my ways. That's the new normal. God's ways, not my ways. God's ways, not the world's ways. God's ways, not the ways we did it in the past season. God's ways, not what my, you know, distant cousin at the family reunion thinks about things. God's ways. God's ways. God's ways, not my ways. Why? Because God's ways will weather any storm. God's ways will carry over from one season to the next. And there are principles that come with God's ways that that, that will carry over and the things that we can do that will work in every single season. But there's also just being devoted to continually seeking God's ways in his words and in the place of prayer. It's teaching us to adapt when the shaking comes. Because my ways might work for a season, but God's ways will work in every season. Amen? So, we've experienced over these past few months here, uh, contraction. And some of us have really felt the shake. And I want to sympathize with you. I want to I say my heart goes out to you. I want to say we're praying, that in our prayer sets, we're constantly praying for our marketplace people. We're praying for our families. We're praying for those that have been affected by this shaking. But God, he wants to do more than to bring relief to us right now, friends. He wants to teach us how to weather and how to prosper. You know, I've hesitated to say this much, but I just, I want to, I want to sober us up a little bit. Um, you know, this started stirring in my spirit when um, just God's shaking and causing us to evaluate our ways. Even just a year ago, remember that 30-minute storm that hit and it just wiped out like half the trees in Dallas? I mean, they were cleaning that up for months. And I mean, there's still signs on billboards on the road from that storm that have not been repaired. Months later, a tornado comes and hits our city. And I mean, if you go into Preston Hollow, you're off of Royal Lane and Preston over there, I mean, just that whole shopping district has been wiped out. My favorite Thai restaurant. I was really upset about that. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, they have another location, which I actually haven't been to yet. But anyway, I learned about that recently. I was like, man, every time I drive by. But it's so, every time I drive down Royal Lane, I am like, God, man can build and build and build and build but one storm can knock it all down. And I felt in my spirit that God's trying to warn us right now. God's trying to say, wake up, church, consider your ways. Because if you build according to the ways of the world, if you build according to your own ways, when these storms come, it will devastate it. And it may not have happened to you in the last season, but let that be a wake-up call to say, God, I want to line up with your ways. I want divine order in my life. And then COVID came. 
And the fear of COVID came, which was probably even bigger than actual COVID, is the fear of it. And Jesus warns about that in the end times, that fear will grip people's hearts and it will cause them to do extremely weird things that they never would have thought of doing before. And friends, I tell you this because it's in the word of God. Greater shaking is coming. And I think there is something greater, a greater shaking that we're going to feel, people in this room are going to feel. And it's going to come. And it's going to hit. How easy it was for our nation to shut down has established a new standard and a new normal. And I tell you, there's a mix going on of man's agendas and the enemy working and God shaking. And I mean, it's just the earth groaning. All of this is in the mix. So, so, so it's, just, it's just not enough to blame it on, you know, the government people or the devil or, or even God. I mean, everyone is involved. What God is doing, that's what I want to focus on. What's God doing? He's delivering his people of the Babylonian system. He's delivering his people of the ways of the world. He's saying, my ways, church, not your ways. My ways, not the world's ways. Learn now. Because a greater shaking is coming, church, and we are being given a respite. We are giving a time to recover. We are being given a time to prosper again and to build back up. But I tell you, if we build according to our ways or the world's ways, the next storm will hit and we'll all come crashing down. Wake up. Learn God's normal. Teach us, Lord. Amen? Okay. Thankfully, this is not rocket science. So we're going to talk about a few practical things in the Word both this week and next week because God gives us keys to surviving the storm and keys to thriving on the other side of the storm. Okay? So this week we're going to talk about surviving. Next week we're going to talk about thriving. Is that okay? Let's turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, chapter 24. We have this up on the screen. Matthew 7, 24. Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. Say, did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell. Say, it fell. And great was its fall. So, Jesus, red letters, words of Jesus here, telling us how to weather the storm. Because two houses are in this story and one storm. Two houses, one storm. One storm causes a great fall on one house, but the same storm, I'm telling you, the same exact storm comes in the house that was built on a rock, withstood. Who wants to be that one? Amen. That means we got to do what Jesus says. It doesn't mean we just listen to them. 
because I'm going to tell you some things today that you know. In fact, if there's anything I tell you that you don't know today, I'll, I'll be surprised because we've got a lot of mature people in here. And no condemnation if it's new. Praise God. You learn new information. We're going to learn how to build. But most of what I'm going to tell you today, you know. But are you doing it? Let's do it. Let's be doers. Let's be the wise, not the foolish. Amen. So when Jesus says this, the past three chapters before he says this, he's been spending time talking about how to bring order, divine order, to three things primarily. Our relationships, our money, and our prayer life. And all of these things are directly related. Let's start with relationships, because that's where Jesus starts. I'm going to be referring to a few passages here. We won't have slides on the screen for everything I'm going to read, but I'm camping out in Matthew 5 as I shout out references. If you want to follow along there, you're welcome to. But on the first thing Jesus calls us to evaluate and to build in a way that weathers the storm is our relationships. Are we doing this God's way or my way? And here's what God's way is when it comes to relationships. Matthew 5, 21. You've heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go, go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Jesus wants us to have those difficult conversations. Jesus wants us to be able in love to go to somebody and say, you know when you did that, it it hurt. Jesus wants us to be able to go up to somebody and say, on the other end, to say, hey, you know, I was in worship and I realized what I said or did or how I treated you. I'm sure that was really hurtful. Or maybe you felt overlooked. I just want to apologize. Will you please forgive me? He wants you to do that with the people around you. He wants you to do that with your spouse. He wants you to do that with your children. He wants you to do that with your with your pastors and leadership. A healthy body that's going to weather a storm is purging their hearts of offense. Okay. And now if we've been the one offended, I could do a whole sermon on just this um, or any of these points I'm going to highlight. And I'm passionate about this because I'm, 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 I'm saying, God, I don't want these things in my heart. I don't want to sow seeds of bitterness in my heart that will not withstand a coming storm. And that will destroy a relationship that I love. 
Now, it, it gets a little tricky. Well, what if I've been the one offended? I mean, this verse is about you know that you've hurt them. <laughs> you, know, you know that you've done something against them. You go to them. What if you've been the one that's been hurt? There, there, there is God. How do, I, how do I go about this? How do I go in a way that's not accusatory, that's not saying, you did this, you did this? How do I go in a way that's, that's, that's saying, I just really want to address this and clear this up? Um, and I, and I, I, I want to, I could just do a whole class on it, but just what I'll, I'll say briefly is, is as I pray, if someone's hurt me, some of those things that I, I just do before the Lord, I say, God, I forgive this person, but you got to do it out loud. You've got to say it out loud. It may be in your prayer closet, but you say, God, I forgive this person for doing this particular action against me. It made me feel hurt, overlooked, rejected, or brought up this wound or that wound, but God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Have mercy on them. Lord, I bless them. I pray that you would prosper them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've got to get rid of the, that spirit of murder that tries to take our hearts captive. Or we will not weather the storm. Matthew five twenty seven. If you've heard it said, if you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone that looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. It's better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell and so forth. So, lust. We want to deal with this church. And this is, this is I, want to, I want to speak from a heart here that there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. But if we're doing things and if we're engaging in lust... If whether it is, um, whether it involves pornography or it doesn't, it, but it is physically lusting still, you're looking at someone lustfully, man or woman, and you, you're committing adultery in your heart and you're not dealing with that, that is the spirit of adultery taking you captive. And I want to tell you, Jesus has the power to set you free from that. Throughout much of my teens and my 20s, I struggle with pornography. But then I started learning about getting an accountability. Then I started going through inner healing. Then I started saying, I've got to spend time with the Lord and soak up his love. Because this thing is going to kill my life. If I don't redirect my gaze at the Lord Jesus. And get my heart healed. Because usually it's a symptom. That lust, that it's, it's some kind of symptom. Um, 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 it can be loneliness. It can be rejection. It can be father, mother, all these things going on. And, um, um, but but it, it, so it takes getting healed in that way, but it also takes some intentionality. I mean, I would get with guys. We made a purity covenant, and we would say, okay, if I look lustfully or if I, um, or if I look at pornography, I'm going to confess it to you as sin. I'm going to confess it to you, and if I don't, you're going to get some little thing in your email, and then you can ask me about it. Ooh, you start letting people in. Joined accountability groups where you go in and confess the sin immediately, where you learn practical tools. Smallgroupsonline.com. My church doesn't offer that. You can get one online 
Well, that costs money. This is your soul. And that's, that's <laughs> your soul. Save your soul from this wicked and perverse generation. Acts chapter 2. They receive the Holy Spirit, and Peter says, okay, you got Holy Spirit now. Get rid of the ways of the world from your heart, okay? And I learned practical tools. But I mean, I'm talking like super practical things. Like, I stopped sleeping next to my phone. I mean, you know how much, like, it went down just by that one change? Then I made a change that said, I'm not going to look at social media privately. I'm going to be in social settings. I mean, between those two things, I mean, like, I'm, I'm 98% of the temptation went away. And there may be different things for you. And joining these small groups helped me learn those practical tools because I wanted to get this thing out of my heart. To this day, to my wife, if I'm, uh, um, I don't look on social media at home Unless there is a demand for work or school, in that case, I let her know every time, hey, I had to post this YouTube link. I had to put something on a final exam for a, a home final project. And so I called her, hey, I had to go on YouTube just to grab these links. I put it on, I put on the link, and then I just totally left the site completely. So she's aware of, of, of the boundaries that, she, that I need in place to keep my heart safe. So I want a heart, I, I, I mean, this is about weathering the storm, but even more than that, this is about having a heart that when I worship Jesus, it can go right into his presence with no shame, no condemnation. And we can have that, that there's mercy. If we do sin, if we do stumble, we confess our sins, and he is faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He forgives you, and he cleanses you. But you have to confess and if you don't want this thing ruling your life, you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to let some people in to ask you those hard questions. Okay? I'm going to touch a soft spot right now. Marriage. Jesus said, whoever sends his wife away, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There's a lot more the Bible says on this here, but, um, and I want to make some, uh, bring some of those things to light. But I want to say here is that Jesus takes this seriously. Be in unity with your spouse. Because if you're sowing seeds of discord in your marriage now and you're not dealing with it, when shaking comes, all of that discord that's been sown in bitterness is going to come out and it's going to be really ugly. And I'm pleading with those that are in marriages right now that maybe it's been difficult, maybe it's been tough. Get help. Please. You know, over the years, John and Tracy have an incredible marriage. A number of people go to them and have asked them for help, and then they've, they've offered teaching 
we, last year we did a marriage seminar for the Sunday mornings before church. We've done, we've done marriage teachings multiple times throughout the years. And what, what hurts my heart, and actually kind of makes me angry if I can be honest, is when people are, are asking for some kind of help in their marriage, but they intentionally don't go to the things that we're offering them. It really hurts my heart, and it really makes me angry as a pastor. I'm like, what's going on here? And I mean, everyone, the schedules are different. Yes, this or that. But I'm telling you, if your marriage is not doing well, get help, please, some way. If you can't make it to that, say, hey, if you, if, is there a way to get it offered at this time? Or can we do it in this season? Or can you refer me to another marriage counselor? If it, it, I get it, guys. We've got different schedules. But if you're doing nothing and those seeds of discord and disunity are being sown, when the shaking comes, it's really going to start coming up. And I don't want you to experience that. Well, what if I've been divorced? There's mercy and there's healing in Jesus Christ. And, you know, I've just met so many people that have been through broken marriages and just and, 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 and have had such testimonies of redemption. And I just, I look at that and I look at, I look at those and in, in, um, maybe they're in a new marriage now and they've, and, and the Lord has, and they talk about that marriage and they say, here's what the Lord taught me about my previous marriage. But they start investing in their current marriage. And I'm telling you, this is, I'm not saying if you're remarried to send away that spouse. I'm saying invest in that marriage, please. And say, God, how do I get in unity with my spouse right now? I want to speak the word over my spouse. I want to get rid of this, any discord that's in my life and my current marriage. If you are from a broken marriage and you're single right now, God, restore, heal my heart. Lord, who can I trust to let people come around me and and restore and strengthen me? Because we're not here at Storehouse to condemn you for your past. We're here to help you right now. Get in our men's groups. Get in our women's groups. Get people around you praying for you and ministering to you. And do what you need to do to get on the same page with your spouse. Unity with your spouse is going to be so key in this coming season. And so for my wife and I, if, there's, if I recognize, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's such a good good wingman, you know, <laughs> he, he'll, you know we'll, we'll get in an argument, we'll get in a disagreement, and the Holy Spirit will, we'll, you know, I feel right, I feel justified, but the Holy Spirit will say, you know, the way you said that to her really made her feel this way. I'm like, ugh. I'm ugh because I don't like, you know, being wrong, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm ugh because I hurt my best friend's heart, and I want to make it right. And so I go to her. You know, the way I said this, it probably made you feel like that, and I'm I just want to apologize. Will you forgive me for doing that? And we're reconnected. We're one again. And we do our best to keep that, keep that slate clean. What if my spouse is not a believer? 1 Corinthians 7. If you are, the power of the Holy Spirit on your life has sanctified that entire household. And you can pray and you can declare the word over that spouse. And you can say, God, how can I speak life? How can I speak 
truth over my spouse? How can I pray for my spouse? How can I serve my spouse, whether that's a husband or a wife, whatever it is? God, how can I declare your word because your spirit is upon me and my house is sanctified, says in 1 Corinthians 7, and that my life can lead my spouse to the Lord. And maybe it's not even lead them to the Lord. Maybe it's they're a Christian, but they don't come to church or they're not in the word. I mean, get with God and say, what words can I declare over my spouse right now? And that will bring you into a place of unity far beyond just complaining and pointing out the things that you wish would change. We've got to be one. Our enemies, people that hurt us. Love them, bless them, pray for them, Jesus says. People persecute you. People get mad at you for what you say on stage. People get mad at you for your family, persecute you for being a believer or, or, or a certain, you read your Bible so much, whatever. Pray, pray, bless, mercy. God, prosper this person. God, this one that's attacking me right now, just I just pray your blessing over them and that God, they would just encounter the Lord, that their times with Jesus would be so powerful right now that you would come and show your love to them. Amen. Okay? God's ways are going to weather any storm. My ways are not. I want to quickly go through a couple of things where I've kept you here. And I, I, I know I'm putting my finger on things, but guys, this is, this is the word of Jesus here. And Jesus said, if you hear these words and do them, this is what your life will be like when the storm comes. If you hear them and you hear this message and you don't do my word, this is what's going to happen. Great will be the fall. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He deals with the things that touch our hearts the most. But again, I want to affirm, if you've been through a broken relationship, a broken marriage, I'm just saying today, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. How can we restore? How can we heal? How can we learn from that experience and say, God, how even can I start blessing my ex-spouse right now? And if I'm in a new marriage, how can I invest and be in unity with my, with my spouse right now? If you will do this, you will have a strong, sturdy house for any storm. Amen? Money. Man, I wish Jesus would just talk about things like in and out. He's got to talk about money, which is related to in and out, because some, some of us, that's where a lot of our money goes. Um, <laughs> Matthew 6, 1 through 4, giving in secret. We give. We talk about giving. We want you to keep giving. Jesus wants you to keep giving. Because when you give, it gets away, it, it tears your heart away from trusting in the works of your hands. It tears your heart away from wealth. It tears your heart away from trusting in the government to take care of you. Jobs help. Charities help. Government checks help. And if that's helped you, praise God. But if you are putting 
all of your trust or most of your trust in any one of those areas and not directly in the Lord to say, God, how can I align the way I deal with my money in a way that's going to prosper and that's going to survive and thrive in a storm? We got to realign. Okay? One way we do that is by giving in secret and not for show. We don't give in secret. We don't give to show. Okay? We don't give to be important to man. We give in secret, and God rewards us openly. We want to give in secret, and we want to give generously. We don't want to trust and, and worry, uh, trust in, 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 in the world system or in how things have worked in the last season. We want to say, God, some of us, it's been a drastic shift. New job, new way of doing my job. I've got to get in line with God's words. I've got to get in line with God's ways. God, how can I align the way I save the way I spend and the way I give. The way I save, the way I spend, and the way I give. And God's word is really practical on this. He wants to take care of you. And he wants to teach you how to do all three of those things in a way that's going to weather the storm. I want to take you to a website right now. DaveRamsey.com I love Dave Ramsey. That man is teaching has gotten more people out of debt than anybody else in America. Um, but it's beyond getting out of debt. It's learning how to live and give like never before. Okay, I am just, I'm totally sold on the way he's teaching because he's taking biblical principles. He's, you listen to him and then you start reading Proverbs and you're like, Dave just said something that's in the Bible, like that the, the, the debtor is slave to the lender. Oh my gosh, that's in the Bible, you know? We want to stop trusting in debt, but it's beyond that. We, after debt, after, you know, we want to get beyond that and say, how do I start living my life in a way where I don't put my trust in wealth and I don't put my trust in debt ever again? And this right here has got a lot of resources. And I'll just have um, Andrew over there click on that $10 sale there. So many resources are being offered for free. $10 on their top books. Total Money Makeover. I have it. I left it in my car. Sorry, but love this book. Um, or you get an audiobook for $3.99. I mean, guys, $4 to change the way money looks like in your life. I mean, this is massive. You know, this is the number one cause of arguments and divorce. So, like, how can I invest in my marriage? Get on the same page financially with your spouse. Aisha and I going through Financial Peace University, Gary Cassie teachings on the kingdom and sitting and watching it together, looking over our budget and doing it together. I mean, this has brought so much unity in our marriage because where our money is, that's where our heart is. And we want to tell our money where to go. And I mean, his whole financial peace, nine classes is offered for free for a two-week trial. For in 14 days, you can watch every single episode from home, from your computer, and you can start learning kingdom habits in your finances. The free trial is only for a season. <laughs> let's go now, you know? <laughs> okay? Well, it's not that bad. A storm is coming. A storm is coming. A storm is coming. And if you don't make the necessary changes now, it's going to be difficult. Okay? Make your changes. In this past year, my wife and I have paid off both of our cars. Praise Jesus. 
A couple of you were excited about that. I mean, you know how good it feels not to have a car payment? I mean, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> we have put, we've paid off um, um, just from necessary dental work and stuff over the past year, thousands of dollars with $8,000 plus in this past year between a, a, a number of different things going on. I mean, we've even been able to pay it. It's like not hanging over our heads in debt at all. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it a load off when thousands of dollars you suddenly don't owe to somebody? You're like, these teeth are mine, you know? <laughs> this car is mine. You see that car title and you're like, man, this is mine. This is mine. Praise Jesus. Because we've been alighting. We said, you know what, Jesus? We want to go in. We want to finish out our 30s and go into our 40s strong. Amen? Okay. Last one. Prayer life. God's ways weather any storm. Mine don't. Prayer life. We want to get this in order. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He teaches us the words to pray. He gives you the script. You know, people come up and say, I don't know how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, <laughs> verse 9. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 And I mean, we take that prayer seriously and slowly and regularly. It works, friends. He teaches us to look at God as a father. And to address God as a father. And to believe that God is a father who says, if you being evil will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? When you say, give us this day our daily bread, which means, God, I need rent. I need food on my table for my family. I, need, I have this bill coming up. Give us this day our daily bread. That's what that prayer is doing. And you keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking on the door. Because if we who are, um, um, are imperfect or evil or broken can do good things for our kids, how much more will our Father in heaven take care of his kids? And he's a king, and he's got a kingdom, and he wants it here on earth. And when we pray, kingdom come, honor your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's the same thing as praying divine order. Kingdom come in my marriage. Kingdom come in my heart. Kingdom come in my money. Kingdom come in my prayer life. Kingdom come. In Dallas and in America, divine order, divine order, divine order, divine order. Kingdom come, same prayer. And forgive. We've got to let go of those offenses. We've got to speak them out loud. I've already told you how to do that. Because if we're asking God for forgiveness, that means we've got to forgive too. and adding fasting to the prayer. My prayer's not working. Quit eating lunch for a week. And say, God, break through in my money. Break through in my marriage. Break through in my life. And there's something weird about fasting that when you stop eating cheeseburgers, that hunger for God starts stirring up in you. It takes time. You, probably, you don't feel it while you're fasting. You definitely don't feel it while you're fasting. 
just the cheeseburger song from VeggieTales just keeps going through your head. But, you know, you just say, you are my cheeseburger, my precious cheeseburger. Be back for you. Yeah, be back for you. Anyway. And you can sing that after I'm done fasting, cheeseburger. I'll be back for you. I'll be back after the breakthrough comes. And then, and then breakthrough comes. You're like, I got a breakthrough. I'm going to get a cheeseburger. Okay? So there's rejoicing. But you do it in secret, okay? If you're like, I'm fasting. I'm so spiritual. You know, I'm just so awesome. Man, aren't I cool for fasting a cheeseburger today? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, you do it in secret. and God rewards you openly. Add Fasting to your prayer. Find a, get a regular fasting rhythm in your life. Because like we get called to fast all the time. And it's like, if, I, my, whole, if my normal is cheeseburgers day and night, I mean, when someone calls the 40-day fast, it's like, <laughs> and it's headaches for three weeks straight. It's horrible. Um, but if you, <laughs> it is, it really is. Um, and then you go to snuffers right after the fast, and that's a bad, bad, bad idea. Don't do that. You will not weather that storm, I promise. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, I digress. Prayer life. He gives you the words to pray. He tells you how to relate to God. And use these actual words. I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I'm teaching, I'm teaching our baby in the womb. Said, okay, baby, this is the prayer that Jesus taught. <laughs> I mean, charismatics were so good at like 300-page prayer manuals on how to bring down every principality and power. Jesus taught us one prayer in four verses. He says, guys, I promise this one will work. Kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, amen. It works, I promise. We pray in faith, we keep asking, we keep seeking. We don't ritualize it, we connect our hearts to the king of kings and the power of his kingdom, and we release it in agreement with him. Amen? God's ways weather any storm, mine don't. Let's stand. a lot more I could say on any of these topics. Next week, we're going to continue. We know these things. I probably didn't share any new information with you, but do we do them? Are we intentional about getting offense out of our hearts? Are we intentional about being in unity with our brothers in the Lord, with our spouse, with the people that God's called us to? Do we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray? Do we give the way Jesus taught us to give? I'm going to have us go ahead and if we can get some worship music playing, I want to read one more verse and then declare something over us as we pray. This word right here is a mirror. And I put a mirror in front of you today. And it gets a little uncomfortable. The zits get clear sometimes when the mirror comes up. Those that hear these words and do them build their house on a solid foundation. Those that don't 
Matthew, I know that. But you don't do them. Your house will have a great fall. And James is very clear. Those that hear the word but do not do them. It's like looking at a mirror, looking at the word, and walking away and forgetting what I look like. We see that word and we're saying, oh, that's uncomfortable. I don't like that. And we don't do it. We walk away. We forget that it's an issue. And Jesus is saying, I love you so much, and I'm really trying to help you right here. If you will hear these words and do them, you will survive any storm. But you've got to do it my way. You've got to align with my word. How many in here are saying, God, I'm willing to say your ways, not my ways? Lift your hands up to the Lord. Because this is surrender. We've been surrendering wrong. And just tell him right now, God, your ways, not my ways. Teach me your ways, God. Deliver me of doing things my own way, of the world's own way. Teach me your ways, O oh God. And I just declare over everyone in this room, if you've been doing it wrong, any of these areas, relationships, money, prayer, you just confess to God right now. God, I've been doing this my way. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, I've been doing this my way. I want to do it your way. I want to declare Isaiah 55 over you right now. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Just stay in this posture of God, your ways, not my ways. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. If you failed in any of these areas, I say to you today, turn to the Lord. He is compassionate and he will abundantly pardon you this morning. And the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than my thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And this is the word of the Lord over you today, storehouse. This is the word for everyone listening online. Thus says the Lord, if you will do it my way, he says, you will go out with joy. You will be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth in the shouts of joy before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush and cypress coming up, instead the nettle and the, the nettle and the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. The Lord says, I will prosper you, and if you sow my word into your life, it will bear fruit. So, God, we say your way is not our ways. 
your ways, not our ways. We realign with you today, God, and we ask for divine order. We ask for your kingdom come and your will to be done in our hearts, in our lives, in our nation. In Jesus' name. Thank you.